It's the real hip-hop. Hip-hop. Peace. This is Sharon Shabazz, and you're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. In this episode, I talk to Nerdcore MC Mega Ran. On the eve of the 39th annual WrestleMania, Mega Ran released an album paying homage to pro wrestling titled Wrestling is Real, People are Fake. On this show, I talk to Mega Ran about Wrestling is Real, People are Fake his experience at WrestleMania 39, and his upcoming Dream Master Mixtape Festival, May 12th through the 14th in Yuma, Arizona. Wrestling is real, people are fake. That's an ill title. How would you explain saying wrestling is real to a non-wrestling fan? Oh, man, I would just show him the pictures of Finn Balor's head being split open over this past weekend. Like he had like 12 staples and had to continue to match like, uh, you know. So, yeah, the stuff that they go through uh, is very, very real. You know, we talk about predetermined and, you know, maybe the outcome and the winner, you know, is is predetermined. But the way you get there is very real. You know, there's very real emotion uh, and physicality that's involved in it and and just you know on a personal note meeting wrestlers i realized that you know so many of them are um are just the realest dudes you know because they've been through so much and they really appreciate uh you know people who can kind of understand or step into that that world and um and get where they're coming from so um yeah it gave me a new appreciation for it so i heard jake the snake said that on um like a documentary somewhere and uh and i was like yo that's so true like it's it's just real you know so uh yeah that's where the title came from the actual song wrestling is real is such a great song i love the insider terminology that you use as well as on the song lingo um the hogan and brett stuff made me laugh <laughs> um, when you write a song like that do you have the punchlines in mind beforehand Knocking it cause you don't understand it Hot shotting belts in the last second panic We on long term fucking feet planet I don't vanish, they want me to fall back Make room for the others, but nah, I'm sorry That ain't gonna work for me, brother The work that we produce 
loose, make a listener go damn like he bringing with Farouk. Got you worked into a shoot. I'm the Shawn Michaels of the song cycle. Paul Bearer of the small era, the new face of terror. Toss you off the cage in a fit of rage. Make Foley look like Steve-O or Margera. They wondering if Matt Mania didn't hit the bricks. We like Terry Funk, homie, we ain't never quit. Pop up unexpectedly, perpetual motion. Jeff Jerry getting bags from every promotion. From Quizzlemania to wrestle with regret. Up, up, down, down, then the dynamite request. I don't want to upset my political connects, but I was watching wrestling on a black and white set. Scramble box. In the living room since Mania 1 And watched ECW since the day it begun Back on 23rd in Swanson In tattered denim jackets Swinging like cornet with tennis rackets Smiling to the hard cam, get used to the pressure None fresher, leaving amateurs Future endeavored, raps about wrestling Thought you'd never see the day Turn it up to 11 like Kurt Angle in TNA Asking dumb questions as he faced up a hill Put rappers in hammerlock Till I'm making them squill Told record labels to chill Cause I ain't taking the deal Cause I'm never going down like Brett's hatred for Bill You know accidents happen But this was on purpose Lenny Papo, I'm a genius When spitting them verses Wrestling mag under the seat When I'm sitting in service Free agent Cause my soul isn't for purchase Listen, I've been rowdy From Philly to Cobb County King Booker Don't need nobody to crown me Leave them triggered Like a knee to the face Cause wrestling is real And people are A lot of times, yeah, like if, if it's certain things that I know haven't left my my head, like little wrestling tidbits that I know are just like, if you know, you know, type things, I'll maybe jot those down on a page and then come back to them and fill the rest in, you know. So if it's like one that that can't miss, like I think talking about Bret Hart hating Goldberg or whatever, like that's like an unknown Internet thing. So I was like, all right, I got to find a way to fit this in. So working backwards from the punchline is uh, I don't do it that often. I'm, I don't really consider myself a punchline rapper, but with the wrestling stuff, I've uh, definitely kind of I feel like that's a big part of it. It's the punchlines and what you remember and what you can jog in somebody else's memory. So I, I wound up working backwards. So I write down a ton of punchlines and I'm like, all right, let's just do it. And we just have fun with it. I think Rakim said that's how he writes all his rhymes. Like backwards, yeah. He um, he starts with the you know the rhyming words and goes backwards. Wow. But man, I read his book and it was just like a really dope experience to be able to get inside of his his writing. He was like, I put dots on the page and stuff like that. Like I was just like, what? Like this is like genius level stuff. It's it's so dope to be able to see a little insight, you know, into probably the greatest lyricist ever. So. Um, that's that's really dope. Yeah, I I agree because he's kind of like a he's been mysterious. You know what I mean? Like he's not out there like that. So for him to put a book out and you know give a little bit of insight was cool. It was cool. You know, I see uh, during that time he he's one of the many that inspired me to write a book. Is uh, I read that in the right before pandemic, and my pandemic project was finishing my book, and um. Whereas he's he's gets into a lot of the technical aspects of writing the rhyme, I like to see the what was your mind state when you were creating this album, you know where were you going, you know on tour where were you going and when you were inspired to write these songs, and so that's where my book kind of took it instead of you know I was like I'm not, there's no way I can be as interesting on the technical side of things as Rakim's book, so 
So I mainly took it to, you know, I just feel like I'm a good storyteller. So, so mainly it was just a lot of the great stories that inspired this, this crazy journey of mine. So, uh, so yeah, that was a fun project to, to work on for sure. Yeah. So we just witnessed WrestleMania 39. You were there. What did you think of the show? I thought it was great, man. I, I don't know if these shows need to be two days uh, per se because of the fact that one night one was killer. Night two felt like it dragged a little bit. Um, there's like a 40 minute break in the action. I don't know what happened where there was just commercial after commercial after commercial. I think it was after the uh, edge match. Um, yeah. Right before the main event, actually, they just was just showing mad commercials and, uh, and we were like, what's going on? The crowd starts booing after every commercial. Like they were really getting tired of it. And my friend who was watching at home was like, that was 40 minutes. And I was like, really? Like, it didn't seem like that long of a break, but it was a lot of video packages, a lot of, you know, like filler. Like maybe they had to, you know, fill some time and play some ads from all the, you know, the, the people who helped make it happen. So I do feel like you cut two matches off maybe. And that's a one day show that's an extra hour long and I don't have any problem with that, you know, but, uh, I will overall say it delivered, man. Like nobody does spectacle like WWE and like WrestleMania, man, the entrances were fire. Uh, matches were all quality. You know, we just, we got some great moments. I was surprised at a few of the endings of these matches. So that's always a good thing when I'm surprised. So I think it was a great show. What surprised you? Well, I will say I was surprised that they didn't go all the way with Cody. Uh, but more surprising than that, and it's it's wild to say because I love her, is that Bianca Belair won again. I really thought it was Asuka's turn. It was her time. She's She has not won a match at WrestleMania at all. And uh, she's won Royal Rumble. She's won Elimination Chamber. She's won, like, everything else. And she's not been able to, to get over the hump at Mania. So I thought this was going to be her time and Bianca could get some some much-deserved rest. She's been champ for over a year. You know, it's like, yo, you've been working. Go rest, you know? Same with Roman. I'm like, hey, y'all been working. Go rest. Let somebody else hold it down. You come back, challenge them later. You know, but this was not the time for that. So uh, those matches surprised me. And those were uh, or both night two. Hmm. I was surprised by the Cody thing. The Bianca thing didn't surprise me as much. Um, I was rooting for Oscar. I'm a huge Oscar fan, but I know what Bianca is too. I love Bianca, and she's she's like the female face of the company. So it's kind of hard to take the belt off of her. But I worry that people are gonna start resenting her that's the thing it's like when you win too much man they'll they'll turn on you in a heartbeat yeah so it's a legit concern that like maybe she's got to face a little adversity adversity get knocked down a few pegs come back you know uh yeah the longer you get it those reactions start getting lukewarm and it's like it's somebody else's time so i really hope it doesn't happen to her people seem to really love her yeah like but yeah, the longer it goes, there's always the chance that they can sour on you. Yeah, and she doesn't need the belt. No, no she doesn't need it at all. She's a superstar. Um, so what was your favorite match? And honestly, 
I think the Charlotte Rhea match was fire. Um, also, man, that tag team scramble match was just way better than it had to be. They just went all out in that one. Uh, the Intercontinental Triple Threat was probably my favorite. I'm a big fan of, as my shirt says, big meaty men slapping meat. You know, like I like a hoss fight, you know, when it's like just some, some hard, hard hitters going at it. So big fan of Gunter, big fan of Seamus, Andrew. So that might have been my favorite match. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple, but, you know, they gave me everything I like. Like I like really good high flying tag matches. Also, like really hard hitting, methodical, you know, matches as well. So I got a little bit of everything I wanted. Yeah. We're kind of on the same page. That tag team thing. I tweeted, why did they put the bathroom break match on so early? <laughs> and I watched it and it was amazing. But I did I'm not sure expect that too. They was like, all right, y'all think we the we the smoke break? All right. Yeah. Watch this. They killed it. They killed yeah, it. They went out there and killed it. I thought Charlotte and Rhea was the best match of the weekend, followed by the Gunther match. I absolutely love Walter. He is amazing. And I was actually shocked that he won because they were going with the story that Sheamus has never won this title. And I thought it would be an easy way to get the belt off of him by beating Drew without beating him. Uh, but he won. Strong. <laughs> nah, I think he's gonna have like a record-setting intercontinental title run. I think so. Uh, it's it's kind of a crazy time right now. These belts are gonna be locked up. I think for a minute. I think IC title and the and, and the undisputed title are gonna be locked up for <laughs> the next yeah. year, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to the album. You got a song called uh, "Better Than Whatever You Like," and. It reminds me of my childhood because people used to try to tell me how stupid I was for watching wrestling, Um, try to belittle me. And, you know, uh, I have cousins and friends who would say, well, karate's better. Kung fu flicks are better than this or, you know, sports, whatever. I never said wrestling was better. I never felt the need to debate people, but I always felt that it was better than the stuff they were saying. Um, The beat. It's a little more mellow than what you usually rap on. Mm-hmm. Take me into the creation of that song and what inspired the concept and how did you cook up the beat? Wrestling is better than the things you like. <laughs> yeah, I watched the dude get thrown off the cage and come back and wrestle the very next day. I saw a man unleash a six-foot snake that bit another man's arm, yet they called this fake. I watched a man not speak for a year, repel from the ceiling without an ounce of fear, with his face painted up and a bat in his hand. So how can one wonder how could that attract a fan? I watched a dude pretend to be a dead man. Another dude crashed the hospital, smacked the cat with a bedpan. Ridiculous, perhaps, but tell me what could possibly be more entertaining than that. I know on any given night I can see something incredible. Moves prompted oohs and moments so unforgettable. So in case you didn't know, I gotta let you know. Whatever you like, I bet you this is better, yo. Explosions, car crashes every night. Drama, excitement, grown men in tights. Love triangles, stunts, and fist fights. Wrestling is better than whatever you like. 
Yeah, I said it. It's better than whatever you like. I said it's better than whatever you like. Yeah. It's better than whatever you like. I said it's better than whatever you like. Hmm. This is a good one to chat about because it's one that I made the beat for then kind of I think I had the idea first. I had the idea for a long time. The um the John Oliver last week tonight, he did a a, a really good piece on the WWE a couple years ago now. And I love the piece because it was like, you know, it could have been considered a hit piece because he was like, y'all don't give, you know, your workers unions and y'all make them work exclusively and y'all make them work 300 something days a year. But in between all that, he's like, wrestling is amazing because it has stuff like this. And he shows great things that happen. And then he cuts back always saying like, see, I told you wrestling's amazing, right? I love it, you know? So he's such a fan. But I think as a fan, you're allowed to be critical, you know, just ask wrestling Twitter, you know, if you can be critical about something because they will find a way. So that piece was so well done. And uh, and I think that's what inspired. I was like, one day I'm going to write about how great wrestling is and then some of the weird stuff about it that makes it kind of awkward and, and difficult, but also how the action in the ring, what comes on television is you know, giving you the best bang for your buck of any sort of entertainment, you know, live action comic books is like, like what's better than that, you know? So that was the topic. So I wrote that down. I wrote down, you know, some, some lines and just like ridiculous things that had happened in wrestling that I'd seen like, Oh, this dude pretended to be a dead man. And this guy <laughs> hit this dude with a bedpan, you know? And I was just writing down funny things that I've seen in my life and was like, isn't this great entertainment? And uh, and so then when I started working on the beat, I was like, this has to be something mellow. I was like, I want the words to be understood. I want the emotion to carry the song. I'm like, yes, I'm a giddy, starry-eyed fan. But then by the second verse, I'm like, I'm also, you know, intelligent enough to know, like, there's some things that could be fixed about this. But yet, again, like I said, what you see on television is better, you know, than pretty much anything live action that could ever be created, you know, because these are live stunts that happen every, almost every day of the week, you know, so it's super impressive. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was my, my, I think thought process going through it is like, I want it to be mellow because I want to be able to let the emotion drive it. These probably aren't like, I don't know, the greatest bars of my life. It's just more or less storytelling, uh, emotion, and showing my attachment and love as well as, as criticism for this thing that I've been loving literally my entire life. We're about the same age. I think I'm a year older than you. Um, I recall always being critical of wrestling, even as a kid. Um, is that is that your story? Like, do you have you always um watched it with a critical eye and not just as a super fan i don't know man i gotta think yeah i would say i've been critical and it's probably been because of the magazines and the things that i would read outside of it you know my mom would bring home a pro wrestling illustrated i'd be so happy you know and then wrestling observer like newsletters and things like that if i was able to find them like just finding out things and wanting to know more and more during, than the birth of the internet and the Monday Night Wars and all that. Um, 
I think that's when a t- when a critical I think a critical moment happened during Monday Night Wars because you could actually choose, and it was like there they are, they're both on your TV. Which way are you gonna go? You know, and I was like, ah, WWE at that time. I was like, WWF was was a lot of gimmicks, a lot of sexual innuendo, and a lot of like I feel like they were kind of stuck in the the past. While WCW had turned the corner and got a little more with the times, you know, NWO and all these other things, and they felt like just regular guys wrestling. I think that was the birth of like regular guys before that superheroes, clowns, all these other things were happening on the other show, you know, and WCW was like, this is just a tough, badass dude who wants to fight, you know, and I I really gravitated toward that. And then in the middle of of all that was Sting, you know, Sting's a character who was, you know, was a regular guy, I guess, but felt like a superhuman character. You know what I mean? He would just no sell you and just be ha ah, beating his chest and come come back and uh you know felt unbeatable, you know. So in the midst of all that that was going on, I felt like Sting was the one thing that remained from the old school era. And so that that really kept me kept me watching just to see what Sting was gonna do and all that stuff when he wasn't talking and the crow and all that. And um and that was really, really super interesting. Um I Yes, to the short answer, long answer is that um yeah, I've always been critical of it, you know, being like I can not just be like, well yeah, I don't like it and I'm going to just turn. I could always tell you exactly why I didn't like it. I could tell you when I turned back and it was um something I mentioned in my book, it was when Tony Schiavone spoiled the ending to Mick Foley winning the title on WWF, which made me turn back because I was like, oh, that was whack. <laughs> like, why'd you do that? Like, I'm sitting here enjoying your show. Go <laughs> oh, turn the channel. Mick Foley is going to win their title. Can you believe it? Ugh. And like, it was just like, oh man, that really turned me off. So now I want to see Mick Foley win this title. And when I flipped the channel, apparently thousands of other people did too. And that's kind of the beginning of the end for WCW. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely able to still be critical, even at like, younger ages, probably as, as a teenager watching both being like, well, I didn't like that. I don't think they made the right decision there. You know, things like that. You know, I see a lot of, um, wrestlers, retired wrestlers. Um, they dislike when fans are critical and I see them on Twitter and stuff. So they just enjoy the show. Um, but I would bet if they went back to their youth or before they were in the business, they were probably critical too. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, you know, we all have our opinions. Yeah. Um, it's okay to have an opinion. I don't understand why they don't want you to have an opinion. I think some people do take an opinion to the point where it's like, I can do a better job than you, you know? And that, that's where, <laughs> where the line should be drawn. Cause it's always like, Oh man, let me book this. I could do it way better job you know and it's like you'd be completely overwhelmed and run off crying like having to book stories for 30 something wrestlers you know so it's it's extremely uh difficult and much harder than it looks but i always say if you love something man you're allowed to criticize it like all the money and time that i've invested into this 
I think I got, you know, I, I got a right. Like, you don't have to listen to me, but I do have a right to say some things. Right. And you enjoy it. It's like, man, yeah, really, when you put it that way. <laughs> I've, uh, I've given Vince McMahon a whole lot of money <laughs> over the years. So, yeah, you're allowed to say you don't dig something, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it gets too far when people just start, like, harassing wrestlers, harassing acts. Like, yo, they're just doing what they're told. You know, saying a wrestler sucks and things like that. Like, that's where I think the line should be drawn. You know, it's like, come on, man. Like, the people who go to the WWE are the greatest athletes in the world. Right. Point blank, period. That's really it. Like, none of them suck. (laughs) You know what I mean? You could draw up a story to make this guy look like he sucks, but none of them suck. I'd really have to think about that. Um, (laughs) You know, I had a funny incident with somebody I don't even know on Twitter where um, they were upset that Asuka lost and they said she should just go back to Japan. And I replied, she has a family. (laughs) You know, she's in her 40s. She's not going to make the money over there that she's making here. So just make the money. until it's over and i think my comments were viewed as sexist and ageist if if that's a thing (laughs) like you know someone replied to me you wouldn't say that if 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 it was a man i'm like yeah i would get all the money you can (laughs) get every penny you can before it's over yeah i've said that about dudes all the time in the business i think uh, I mentioned a guy like uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler all the time because yes. we're always like, man, this guy's so talented, he's so good, but they don't ever use him right. Oh man, he should go to he should go overseas, he should go to AEW, he should go to Japan, and it's like, man, he's making more money than he's ever seen in his life, and he's good at his job. What they're asking him to do, he's good at it. It's like, hey, go out there and make this guy look really good, and he does it very, very well. And he'll have a job for as long as he wants it because he's good at his job. And so, but you want him to uproot his life, go live <laughs> in Japan and to make less money so that you can say, now he's living up to his potential. You know, now he's doing the thing that I want him to do. And it's like, come on, man, this guy has a, a particular lifestyle that he's used to and that he's earned the right to. And I'm sure he's having fun. I'm sure guys like him, Shinsuke, you name it. Like, there's always like that that internet fan being like, "Oh, free them, free them, get them out of there." And it's like, mm, I think they're, I think they might even be enjoying themselves, and they're making good money. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of these guys view themselves as artists, and you know, I'm sure Oscar doesn't want to be zero and five at WrestleMania. The big picture is she's making more money probably than she's ever made. <laughs> and I think Ziggler makes like a million dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. In it's the good. ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Why would he, why leave? And it's, I think that we, the fans, think more about like their win loss record than they do. <laughs> I'm sure. Like people are talking like Cody made the worst mistake of his life because he lost that mania. And really? Come on, man. I'm like, oh, look at you. You got played. You should have never left AEW. They just played you. I was like, really? They played you? 
It just made you the top, not the, but a top guy, period, in this industry. You are a top guy. He was never a top guy in AEW, even though he was an executive. <laughs> yeah, you were never a top guy. Uh, yeah, he's bigger and more popular than he's ever been in his life. Mm-hmm. And, and what, he's getting played? Like, come on. I'm sure he's making it amazing money and oh, living yeah. the dream. So one loss at one show is not, does not make him a failure. And people are like, yo, I hope all the AEW guys are watching because they should never want to leave and go over there now. And it's like, mm. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. And I don't want bad to, example. Yeah, it's a very bad example. And hey, I, don't go there. They'll put you in the main event of WrestleMania. Imagine uh Griff Garrison is looking <laughs> at that. He's like, yo, man, I ain't never going over there. Look what they did to Cody. <laughs> they put him, they took him all the way to the top, and then they just took it away from him. Look at that. I'll never do that. <laughs> like, you know, I think there is something. I think John Moxley is the unusual character in this because he was making a lot of money and left because he was unfulfilled creatively. Yeah. I think he's happy doing the violent, bloody matches. <laughs> that's what he wanted to do. Yeah, but I don't think that's the norm. I think most people... Uh, Mox is different. Yeah. Like Mox yeah. will show up at a, a house show with 42 people there and bleed... <laughs> <laughs> like no like everybody's watching like yeah like it's nobody's business like he just really loves this business and mm-hmm. and i mean i i commend that you know that that to have been through the highs and lows that he's seen and still love this business and want to do what he wants to do i don't think that's the norm i do think that's no. the exception and most no. folks are like i'll do what i need to do and, you know of course they want to be featured they want to look good you know, and they want to get paid well. Yeah. Yeah. My original point that we got way off track, but my, my original point about the Twitter interaction was f- fans can be fanatics <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they take things too far sometimes. And, you know, it's nice to have a conversation with a smart fan <laughs> who's, you know, not, uh, sending death threats to people because they didn't like the finish of a match or whatever. (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, man. My favorite was um, a writer, I won't say his name, who was like, this is the worst decision WWE's ever made. I mean, I've been watching for 40 years, and this is the worst. And then the next day, he said, maybe an hour later, he's like, I wrote a 2,000-word piece about Cody Rhodes winning the championship, and it's useless now. <laughs> well, whose fault is that? It's your fault. <laughs> that's funny. That's why you're mad. <laughs> yeah, you have a song on the album with Austin Creed of WWE called "The Sunset Flip." Um, such a fun and creative song. Was it hard to get him to agree to do the song? What was he actually? like reciting and recording the rhymes. 
Hey, yo, I seen what you do. I respect it and all. I've been watching wrestling since before I could crawl. So I think the next logical step to progress is to hop inside the ring, give my knowledge a test. Yes. Luckily, I've got a friend named Creed. He's agreed to show me everything I'ma need. So excuse me, I'ma do a couple stretches and then we can get started with these lessons. Wait, what are you doing? Is this why I'm here? And why are you in a singlet? This is my wrestling gear. I thought I was coming over to play Monster Hunter. Yeah, I tried to tell you plans changed, but I lost your number. Remember that time we did that battle in the ring? Yeah. And everybody loved it and said that we did a thing? Yo, that was like two years ago. Yeah, I know, but I think I want to give this a go. Bro, no. There are so many things you need to be aware of. The fans, co-workers, yourself to take care of. The respect, ability to connect, and not to mention you could break your freaking neck. Like Kurt Angle did? Yeah, exactly. Take a backseat. That guy, he's an Olympic athlete. So imagine what would happen to you. What's the worst thing, really? I mean, you could tear your Achilles. I want to slam fools on the mat. What a suplex, cats give them belly to back Rock bottom, tombstone, and a sunset flip So I need you to teach me that No way! I wanna slam fools on the mat Hear the crowd go wild when I win the strap Blow saw, sharpshooter, and a half two So I need you to teach me that mm. um, Surprisingly, man, he was with it right from the, from the start um, One of his favorite rappers is Lil Dicky and, um, and we chat about Lil Dicky a lot for you know for better or for worse i do think the guy's a very brilliant mind and um and dickie had this song called professional rapper the snoop dog and basically he's like asking snoop if he can you know become a rapper and how to do it and uh and we just both laughed about how like genius that was and i said to him kind of like would you do a song like that like what if i was asking you how to become a wrestler like would you do it and he's like sure i guess i would and so many, many years later, we started working on it. And um, my man DN3 made the track, uh, which was a tribute to my favorite Heavy D song, Don't Curse. Uh, same sample. Um, and we just we just got to work. And I was like, I want to make this where I'm like, I ambush you with this idea to, to wrestle. And you're just like, nah, man, get out of here. <laughs> you know, but you got to give me all the reasons why I shouldn't do this. And um. I wrote it, he tweaked it, and like knocked it out, man. It was like seemed to be very easy, but he's a natural entertainer. You know, that's one thing I could say. Like Creed is like he's a natural. Like he knows how to make something fun and entertaining. And uh any sort of entertainment, he can do it. I bet this dude could do I don't know, stand up comedy. I mean I, he could he could do anything. And um he set it back and it was just amazing. And so I I went back to some more retooling and you know, I wanted to make it sound really conversational because we weren't in the same room when we did it. But I definitely wanted it to sound like that. So we messed around with it a lot to kind of make sure that the recordings would sound kind of similar and things like that. Um, and he's like, yeah, I've never really did any voice recording here at my house. You know, it's just mostly I do video and things. And uh, I still did a good job. Got a great capture. And we worked with it, made it do what it do. And uh, yeah, he was extremely positive about it, but but also like nervous, like he kept asking me, like, is it good? Is it OK? Like, I'll do it over. I'll do it over. I'll do it over. It's fine. I'll do it over if you need me to. Like, just tell me if it's not good, you know, like really, really harping on me to like be honest with him, you know, and I was like, dude, you nailed it, <laughs> like, you know, and I appreciate that. Like, he's like, you know, don't you know, don't feel like you have to just tell me it was great. Like, be honest. And I'm like, well, being honest, you gotta you gotta hit this one a little better, you know. But you know, it's little small things that were knocked out. I think he 
did the whole thing in two, two takes and it was it was great a little bit off the wrestling topic you created your own festival um coming to yuma arizona may 12th through the 14th how did you come up with the idea for the dream master mixtape festival man it's it was really simple i was over the years when i when new festival dates and things get announced and i'm looking at coachella and Lollapalooza and all these amazing things a lot of my fans and friends are always like, when are you going to be on one of these? And I'm like, well, what if I'm not ever going to be on one of these? Like, what if I made my own? And they're like, oh, that would be crazy. You know, and we just kind of left it at that. And then I thought, you know what? I think I can do it. And I just happened to meet the right guy. This guy, Ramiro, who runs a super dope venue in Yuma, uh, the Red Moon Ale House. And we played a couple shows there. and just realizing that, man, there's a lot of love in this place, like in this town, but then there's like nothing really happening. So it's like, man, we got to build something. And I think, you know, feel the dreams thing. You build it, they will come. Really started ringing true. And he kept saying, like, we just got to build something. We got to build something. And I was like, well, let's literally build a festival and not call it a festival because it's very different. Not going to be like outside in a hot, you know, field somewhere dying spending $18 for water while you miss your, your favorite act. Like I loved um, Rock the Bells, but I can firmly remember having to leave a tribe called Quest set because I was like dying of thirst and I couldn't do both. I couldn't go get water and see tribe. So I had to really like make decisions like, all right, well, I think I can hold out, you know? And so I don't want that type of experience at a festival. So this is going to be an indoor and outdoor event um, in a very pretty hot place, but also with some dope artists, you know, like all genres. And I just hit up a lot of my friends and we're just like, what y'all doing? Like, you want to come through? And luckily, a bunch of them said yes. Like, I'm just shocked when I look at the lineup. I'm just like, wow, this is actually going to happen. So dreammastermixtape.com for more information it is going down may 12th to the 14th and man i mean there's just so many great acts and i'm going to be uh, debuting uh, new songs from my new album on uh the sunday of the event as well so i can't wait for that wow exclusive mm -hmm. okay well what can fans expect to see at the Dream Master Mixtape Festival. Man, you're gonna see great music, uh, great art. There's so many dope artists, the vendors, street art, um, collectibles. You know, I'm really much, really into collectibles. So um, there's some cool surprises. I don't wanna spoil anything, but but just come ready to have a good time and be open-minded. You're gonna hear so much music. You're gonna eat great food and you're going to see like just dope art go down and you're not going to have to worry about missing anything. Like that's the, to me, the biggest thing about festivals is that you got to pick what stage you're going to watch and you, you can't see this and that while that's happening, you know? Um, but we we're, we're setting it up where there will be two stages, but they're running in between each other. So you do not have to miss anything that's happening. So you're going to discover new bands. You're going to see your favorites and you're going to have a lot of fun. Dope. All right, Mega Ran, thank you for joining the RealHipHop.com podcast. Man, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, new album's out now. 
my kids album is coming this fall and uh and i'll be going on tour with whitley payton in may and june and so yeah look out there's gonna be a lot of things happening the real hip hop MCing and DJing from your own mind, you know. I just right now we should start the show.